0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with David Stanley Crossland, Sir David Stanley Crossland, your favorite host from the UK. My name is Scott McNally, and I'll be with you for this magical ride. We're going to talk a bit about adventure, excitement, and steroids. Hi, right, Christmas Cabbage. <laughs> Look at that. This is turning into like a Sesame Street episode. He just came on set himself. Is there is there a man with a puppet thing in front? Is there a, There's a man in front of you, isn't there? You've hired a guy to do puppeteering, didn't you?
1: No, he's actually on the end of me, will it?
0: <laughs> I wasn't ready for that one. Uh, guys, today we're going to knock out a bunch of listener questions to catch up because we're a little bit behind. We missed our episode last week. Uh,
1: Why, Scott? Why did we miss our episode last week?
0: I had a dentist appointment. Okay, and he was it going to
1: get a Hollywood smile.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. Any hardly, hardly. Uh, but I'm grateful that we can be back for the people on our live feed. If you guys want to uh, comment with questions, we'd be happy to tackle those or just say hi. Uh, Everybody who's watching on YouTube, listen, uh, you can post your questions in the comments. We'll tackle them on the next show. And Dave, I see you have a question, but before we get to you, I also want to mention If you click the like button, that will help to boost us in the algorithm. And if you haven't subscribed to our programming on YouTube, then we suggest you do because we have several programs coming out each week. We'd love to have you along for all of them. David Stanley in the orange shirt. You have a question.
1: Yes, it's red. Um, So, Dave, I can't do the podcast this week because I've got to go to the dentist. Okay, Scott, shall we do it another day then? Because obviously our our viewers will want to see it. You never see that no fuck them I'm going to dentist I don't give a shit about them that's what he said that is what he said
0: okay you're right those were my exact words no (laughs) so anyway we're glad to be back I'm going to try an experiment by the way uh sea link are you familiar with it
1: yeah I've been using it
0: have you really well let's Mm. okay let me ask you before we start then um are you using it uh, like injectable, nasal? What's the deal? IV. IV, okay. Well, we can't really compare notes then because I don't plan on doing that. Well,
1: so this is the thing. So obviously I have to be a little bit careful because of kidneys, what I take. Um, so TB and BPC are really, really good for me, obviously for my arthritis, but they're also really good for my kidneys. Yeah. So uh, that's quite good. Um, anyway, I've been adding in Solanke. Uh, now, granted, I haven't particularly been doing it in a very scientific way, etc., etc., etc. But what I did notice is it was really stressing my kidneys. Yeah. Yeah, now there's nothing on it that says it is particularly kidney toxic. It may have been dose and administrational that, that added something to that. But the other thing was I didn't get a huge amount from it, uh, but I did notice a reduction in uh, – I don't want to say anxiety because it, it sort of conjures up the wrong image. Yeah. But there was definitely a little bit of a, a chill out. Associated with it now,
0: that's that what, last. That's what they use it for in Russia, right? There's anxiety. Yeah,
1: it's one of the, that and uh, anxiety management and um, Alzheimer's.
0: Okay, Which but, you um, have both of you have both of those things, so we could use you as a study person for sure.
1: Just when I think I couldn't hate you anymore, <laughs> you just
0: do something <laughs>
1: just to make it that little bit more. Um, so I haven't been. Overly impressed, but I do think that possibly could be down to my format of administration rather than the actual compound itself. Okay. Um, I know Broderick has a mate who's been pissing about with it, and and apparently he's been quite impressed with what he's been getting out of it, but he has quite a complex protocol. Okay. Um, but yes, I, uh, I have, I've got, I've got some left actually because I have just stopped using it, but, uh, I've had a very stressful month.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe you need mm. some more C Link. Brandon said uh, Vigorous Steve has been promoting it a good bit and it sounds promising. I actually watched Steve's videos on it and I dropped him a message today, so I'm gonna find out more. Mm. I feel like Vigorous Steve has a you know he's doing a good thing with his channel. He's growing his subscribership. We could like let's start calling you Vigorous Dave. I think that would help our channel. Vigorous Dave. Welcome back to the Vigorous not, Dave podcast with Vigorous Dave. I'm not Dave. very
1: vigorous though. I'm not uh, very vigorous though, am I?
0: No, that's I mean, if,
1: if you imagine something vigorous and then you see me, I'm probably the polar opposite.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point.
1: Slough sloth like Dave?
0: <laughs> that, I don't know if we'll get a lot of views with that, but we may get some <laughs> views with our listener questions. Guys, I have a bunch of listener questions from the previous episode, so let's Dive right in. Um, professional question for the professionals of the show. Um, most cycles seem to get designed with similar ester lengths. For example, test probe in APP, master on probe, or trend ace versus test sip in DECA, uh, NFA esters. Any reason for this? or uh, on the long run and when in steady state it doesn't really matter? Thanks, guys. Uh,
1: there's several comments popped up that I want to address, but we'll deal with this question first.
0: Okay. okay.
1: I, I There's no reason from cycle construction where you can't make short and fast esters. I think traditionally it's just been down to the fact that it, it, it means you've got the same injection days. So if you if you're running fa- fast esters, generally speaking, we'll run Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday injection protocol. And so if you're going to run a fast ester, it's like, well, I'll run everything fast, so I'm injecting everything Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Right. Um, and if you're running slow esters, then the general consensus is that you'll inject twice a week, Tuesday, Thursday split. Obviously, dose plays into this. If you get into the really big doses, you would, you need to inject more frequently just to get the volume of fluid in. Um, but uh, And as a result, then, people tend to stay with the same ester. Just, and I think it's just a convenience thing that's been born out of injection protocols rather than any actual
0: science. I would agree. Um, I think that, you know, and I've noticed, Dave, um, I, I will use, well, I've noticed that if I mix esters, people like freak out, like like with my clients. For instance, I'm not a big fan of long-acting trend. I feel like, especially in a contest prep, I really enjoy using short, fast-acting trend. We get it in there, it hits hard when we want it to. We can really control it through frequent injections. But then what I'll do is I'll oftentimes have people split the rest of their shots up, too. That way they're not taking three cc's one day and then a half a cc the next and then three cc's the next day and a half you know something like that um i'm fine with mixing esters i guess is my point and i think it depends on what you want to achieve you know side effects from test are going to be a lot lower than say side effects from trend um or or just effects but i know that if we use a fast acting trend that if you start to get insomnia issues, for instance, we can say, hey, let's uh, cut that back. Let's even skip a dose. And usually that'll help to self-correct, you know, a lot faster than if you were to have that long-acting compound in there. No, but,
1: I agree. Definitely fast-actors give you more finite control. Um, and if you've got a baseline that you know you're going to run, so for argument's sake, there would be nothing wrong with running a test end for a test set base. Yeah. And then running, uh, you know, try and acetate on top of that and, and mass prop on top of that. So you've got more variable control over the things that you are going to alter dosage with, whereas you may not with with a, a low test base. No.
0: Mr. Ford. Waffle Dave. Cakes, Dave Cakes. How about welcome no, back to… I don't
1: I don't think he's referring to waffles in the food type. I think he's referring to waffling. He fucking waffles on.
0: (laughs) But I do think that if we had a podcast that was about cakes, we could call you Dave Cakes. There was a song. You know, there was a song in the UK called Baby Cakes.
1: And now I've got Davy Cakes running in my head and I can't get rid of it, you bastard.
0: Davy Cakes. I like the sounds (laughs) of that. That's perfect. Oh... I'm wondering if this guy is from Australia because he says, Good day, mates. good day. Hey, maybe. Yeah. Good day, mates. Do you guys say that in the UK? Good day, mates. No. No. Uh, could you address why you can't test estradiol accurately while on trend? Would using the estradiol ultra sensitive test solve the problem?
1: Sorry, I just say Mr. Ford's comment.
0: What did you he say here? That's
1: the that's the lyrics of the song. David Cates. <laughs> I just, just don't, don't know, know how, I, how I like that. One. <laughs> I'm glad somebody got my reference anyway. <laughs> uh, you you old bastard, Vincent. Uh, so, Mr. Good day. Um, there are there is a little bit of this I'm not sure about. Um, But basically, standard blood testing is immunoassay, Uh, so it's the style, the 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 type of how the test is done. Uh, Now, if you do an LCMS, which is liquid chromatography mass spectrometry, you will not mistake tren for estrogen.
0: Can I? Can you back up? Can you back up? What what's the problem here for anybody that doesn't understand?
1: So the problem is that the immunoassay assay test, when it, when it tests uh, hormones, it can mistakenly I, uh, identify certain hormones as being other compounds. So in the case of trembolone, it mistakes it for estrogen. It can also mistake DECA for test. Oh, no, shit. So if you, if you ever get anyone who's on a test and DECA cycle, but their test element is quite low and you see really sky-high test readings, it's because the, the testing has picked up DECA.
0: Huh, okay.
1: Um, with with the trend situation, that's a pretty much hundred percent every fucking time. With a decker, I don't think it's as consistent. Things like EQ won't show, so you won't see EQ showing on any of the hormones. Um, it, it won't show us test. It won't show us estrogen. It just won't show, which is one of the reasons why people on TRT. Used to favour EQ because it, they could still go to their doctor's tests and see their hormones, and it wouldn't show as being in their system. Oh. Now, if you do an estrogen test using LCMS, which is liquid chromatography mass spectrometry, then um, you will you will see the difference, and you will see trembolone as a an element, and you'll see estrogen as an element, so the two can be separated, yeah. and there you can get an accurate reading. Now. I believe, but I am not certain this is the bit I'm not sure about. I, I know in the states when they do the sensitive eternal test they use the LCMS method. Okay. I don't know if that is because the LCMS method has to be used for the e- sensitive Ethern test, or if it's just the way they actually do it for another reason. That the bit I'm not sure about. So definitely stateside, the sensitive ethering test will show Eastern levels without the influx of trend. <laughs> If you're UK side, you're looking for a test that uses LCMS rather than immunoassay.
0: Okay, I've seen that before. You know, I've seen somebody's test results. Estrogen is like unreadable. You know, like triple digits, crazy because they're on trend. What does Laser say here? Laser says uh, there's the standard estradiol test. The sensitive Uh E2 test. And there's the lab-grade E2 test, which is the most accurate. The thing about estradiol in men is that it's in... What's that word? Intracrine
1: hormone.
0: Intracrine hormone. And therefore, we'll never get an accurate measurement. Hmm. Well, anyway... Hey, so, I guess I got no more questions for you.
1: Basically, what he's saying is that E2 tests don't measure estrogen levels in tissue.
0: Okay. Yeah. I'll move on. What else do we doing here? I think we covered that. <laughs> I, think, I think the most important thing to understand is that... Um, you're you're potentially gonna get some Well, let me ask you this before we get to this then. I guess here's here's been my take on it. The way that I use Trend, I already know what's going on with estrogen. You know? That's the way that Yeah, I, I, mean, are... yeah, I, I mean like I, like I said, so we're using let's say I'm gonna break down a contest prep. I might start somebody at sixteen weeks out on test, and maybe we use a fat burner. And this is legit the way I generally will do things. We work our way in, add some master on in there. I usually use long acting mask, less shots. And then from there, we'll add that trend ace. And that's going to be like that last window. We've already had a good eight weeks to see what's going on with test. Uh, If we want to do any kind of lab readings, we can get that before we add the the trend in. You know, that's my thing. The only,
1: the only, so... This is a little bit where I know the science, but I don't know the real world, and I'm curious as to what the real world is. So Tren increases ER sensitivity. Okay. Okay. Tren also raises prolactin, which in turn increases ER at the breast. So uh, but what I'd like to know is what the real-world impact is of – that increase to sensitivity by adding trend into the cycle because we know trend doesn't increase estrogen. Yeah. So we know estrogen is going to be fairly stable. However, we also know that trend binds with 5AR. So it lowers DHT levels and DHT is protective at the nipple against gyno as well. So there's a few things going on when you add trend into a cycle that can cause already stable estrogen levels to now all of a sudden start causing issues.
0: Maybe that's another one of the reasons why Tren, Test, and Masteron are such a nice combo. Because even if you did reduce DHT activity, you're adding in Masteron, you know?
1: But Masteron doesn't he doesn't act at the, the receptor in the same way as DHT does. There's okay. a difference. Yeah. Which is why you don't get hair loss on D. which is why DHT compounds are favored for people sensitive to hair loss from Test. Because the conversion of test by 5AR to DHT actually has a different effect on the receptor than the synthesized DHT.
0: Okay, I've always still heard that there was a lot of hair loss risk with masteron, but I, I can't tell you is, in the real is, world. You know? Yeah, no,
1: I just I I am curious as to how much the Introduction of trend will, in a real-world scenario, actually visually change estrogen sides that someone is experiencing from a fixed pre-dose.
0: I will tell you this, that if somebody is having side effects, like gyno-like sensitivity, um, that if you, while on trend, I find that by lowering estrogen, I, from the way I understand it, that if you keep estrogen under control then it's a lot harder to have a prolactin or progesterone issue.
1: Well, estrogen and prolactin are, are very heavily linked. Um, and you'll see, uh, you see prolactin spike quite often in some very unusual, well, what would be viewed as very unusual circumstances. So you'll see people on TRT and they'll have high prolactin and they won't understand well why it's high. I'm only been using test. Yeah. Okay. But if you, if you elevate estrogen and then bring it back down again, um, which often happens at the end of a cycle, that drop in estrogen will trigger a rise in prolactin. Hmm. And then there's no re- there's nothing to drive that prolactin back down because your hormone levels have come back stable. So there's nothing to drive prolactin back down so prolactin stays elevated for an extended period of time. Hmm. Um, pro- estrogen will always cause gyno, but prolactin will will increase the risk of that because it increases the number of ER receptors in the breast. Okay, So... Spitball figures and these numbers mean nothing to their effects. I'm just using them as numbers to create an example. So say oestrogen is a a figure of 150 and on 150, you have no gyno symptoms, but you get gyno symptoms when oestrogen hits 200, argument's sake. And then you introduce a compound that increases prolactin. So prolactin rises, more ERs are then um, produced around the nipple so now the nipple area is much more sensitive to estrogen so this changes your level of sensitivity in this area and as a result you now become sensitive at 150 where previously you would need to be at 200 before you become sensitive sure so you you lower prolactin with the use of something like cable or vitamin b6 those number of VRs then reduce back down and you are no longer feeling the effects of the estrogen so people assume that prolactin then causes gyna, which is a very obvious and understandable assumption to make yeah. based on what they're experiencing. Throw Tren into the mix, we still get a prolactin spike, as we do with Deca, But now we have the added problem that Tren acts as a ER agonist, so it makes the eastern receptor more sensitive. So now estrogen receptors throughout the body are now sensitive, obviously dependent on dose of Tren as well, but are now sensitive to your existing levels of estrogen. The other thing that Tren does is bind with 5AR. As a result, you have a reduction in DHT conversion, and DHT has a protective action around the nipple against gyno. It's one of the natural managements that we have within our bodies. So Tren, from a point of view of potentiating gyno, is a much more complex drug than Decker is in its own simple right.
0: Hmm. Oh wow! You just said some really uh, smart stuff, Dave.
1: I have my moments; they are not very common. Yeah, it's the Sea Link, and, and as uh, as uh, Mister Ford likes to mention, I do tend to waffle. <laughs> but but sometimes I actually say something half worth listening to. I
0: feel like that was the Sea Link in action, helping to fight your early onset Alzheimer's. Hey, what's going on guys? I'm going to take a brief moment to shout out our sponsors. I'll make it quick, but this stuff's super important because it's our sponsors that help to make this show possible. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here. And if it wasn't for you shopping with our sponsors, we wouldn't be here either. You can support our programming by shopping with truenutrition.com. They're our title sponsor. They've supported us for a number of years. They have awesome health and performance supplements. You can ask Skip or Dusty, or Scott Stevenson, all about true nutrition, and they will tell you how good of a company they are. Hardcore bodybuilders have trusted them for over 15 years now. Use our code THINK. You'll get some savings. You'll support our programming. If you're in Canada, you can shop with supplementsource.ca. They have highly discounted supplements, discounts on bulk orders, and free shipping over $99. Check them out. And finally, you can directly support our programming on Patreon. I'll have links below for Patreon and everything else. We're taking more questions over there, and I appreciate everybody who's already helping to directly support our programming through our Patreon. All right, guys, thanks for hanging with me. Let's get back to the show. We got another question, guys. Uh, He says, this is a question for the next episode. Love the podcast, by the way. Um, What are your thoughts on using a diuretic? like diazine, to reduce water retention from HGH. The water retention from HGH isn't bad, but I would prefer to look drier while getting the benefits of growth.
1: I would say no.
0: I would tend to lean toward not not doing that.
1: Diuretics are risky drugs. Um their impacts on sodium and potassium levels are awkward and difficult to manage. It's bad enough running a diuretic pre-stage, but to run one long-term to manage what is effectively poor growth hormone management is um, not what I would advise. Um Things that can help with water retention from GH is stuff like, obviously, adequate water intake. We're also looking at your salt and electrolyte intakes. Um, They can have a big impact on on where that water retention from your GH goes. If your bot's a little bit clever, you can drive it into the muscle much more strongly. The other thing would be to potentially argue that if you're getting bad water retention from GH, your GH dose is too high.
0: Yeah, I have seen people with various responses and, Mm. um, and various growth hormones, I think, have a different effect too i've seen especially you know like various generics might have one effect and then I'll, I'll even use a guy that i work with as an example that he's been using a high quality underground gh that i'm confident in for several years he got a prescription for growth hormone and the prescription stuff it makes him hold so much fluid that we couldn't tell if he was getting in shape during his contest prep we ended up having to like i was like okay man drop it to one unit Okay, let's drop it to a half unit. Okay, let's take it out for a little bit. And then we you know, get on track at the start of the diet. We're making progress. And I'd say, okay, let's put a unit back in. And all of a sudden, he'd like blow it up, blur over, and we couldn't see what was going on anymore. <clears throat> no, it's
1: – I get the reasoning. And yes, GH does has benefits, and there are you know, quite a lot of evidence about low-dose GH use being being a longevity drug and and various other aspects of that. But I do think that the the issue there is that the the downside to long-term diuretic use is potentially probably worse than just not using the GH at all.
0: I've seen studies, and it's hard to say because diuretics are prescribed for with people who have heart issues, people who have blood pressure issues. And, but from from what I've seen, they saw higher instances of cardiac problems, uh, like death related cardiac issues with people on diuretics. I can say this, that if you are using a diuretic, you're altering your electrolyte balance. Most, you know, in the case like diazide, um, I I don't think that's going to be optimal for an athlete, right?
1: No, well, I know that when I ran diuretics for my kidney function,
0: yeah, yeah, um,
1: and I've got I've got cupboards full of it, fucking loads of it, yeah. Um, I found I was constantly getting pulls in the gym. I found my yeah. training was very difficult. I was I dropped power, not that I had loads at that point anyway. But, but And it just generally fucking made me feel shit. So I just thought, you know what, I'd rather have the fucking salt marks and just stop using it.
0: Yeah, what's the number one uh, way to kill your, your uh, endurance and strength in the gym? Be dehydrated.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. And put you at a greater risk of injury, of muscular strain.
0: Absolutely. All right, what else do we got here? I've been hearing a few other podcasts um, about... Sublingual androgen use. 30 minutes before training. Apparently, it bypasses the first stage of the liver. Um move this around. You guys have any experience with this? Do the pills have to be manufactured specifically for sublingual use or can you just crush up a UGL tab and hold it under your tongue also if you choose to swallow the solution in your mouth and go through the liver does the drug enter your system faster if you hold a UGL tablet under your tongue for 10 to 15 minutes before hitting the gym we've talked about sublingual before
1: Yeah, I mean, okay, so the idea behind sublingual well, is there's blood vessels under your tongue, which means it absorbs straight into your bloodstream.
0: Yeah. Just fucking inject it then. Well, what if you just have the tablets? Yes, it will. I mean, it will. It'll work. You know, those those blood vessels will instantaneously get it into your bloodstream quicker. I believe that those blood vessels under your tongue, throughout your whole body, those are the ones that are closest to the surface. Yeah. So... that's the the best route to be able to get things in quickly and digestion starts in your mouth. You know, a lot of times we think of you eating food it going to your stomach, your stomach breaks it down. Digestion starts from the time you begin biting the food, you know? So I think that if you were to take any tablet, regardless of what it was, and you were to dissolve it in your, under your tongue, in your mouth, that you would get, you know, a faster release and you would get some of it you know, in the bloodstream, subcutaneous, excuse me, sublingually.
1: Yeah, you would. I mean, it would be a more direct route. It It, it is, to some extent, going you know, to bypass the liver, but that's not really your concerning factor with orals anyway. From a point of view of absorption and effectiveness, your concerning factor is gut absorption and and, and binding with, with dietary fats. Yeah. Um, that's your big issue with orals because oh that and – the, the obvious potential aggravation of the stomach, big one, yeah. Um, so those are also notoriously bad for upsetting the stomach and causing appetite issues. Um, but the other big problem is they bind with fat; they're fat soluble. And if they bind with non-dietary fat, you will literally just pass the compound through and shit it out. Um, so a more effective way of getting that in is obviously injectable is the most the ultimate version. Sublingual will help as well or using your oral with with healthy fats will will help with uh, digestion as well. Um, Breakdown by the liver on first pass, well, that's why oral stress the liver on first pass, because they're designed to withstand that breakdown so they get into your blood system. Um, So from a point of view of efficiency efficiency of the drug, uh, whether you bypass first pass or not, I don't personally feel that makes a huge difference to the impact of that drug, because once it's in your bloodstream, it's in your bloodstream.
0: And it's got to uh, circulate, the liver's gonna eventually yeah. get to it anyway.
1: So um, and now you could argue that it's less stressful for the liver, but we've discussed this numerous times about how oral stress on liver is, has, has almost gained its own law in regard to how it's viewed, and that, that is to some extent a little bit unwarranted. Um, They do raise liver values, yes. The liver will work harder, yes. But actual liver damage is not common unless you are a complete and utter fucking spunk spangle.
0: Um, A what? A spunk spunk spangle? spangle. A spunk spangle, Did you just make that up?
1: I don't know. I might have done. I might have heard it somewhere. I'm not quite sure.
0: Because you could have told me that was like just a common UK thing that your mom taught you or something, and I would believe it. Yeah, it was. It was It was
1: a pet name my mom had for me when I was younger.
0: <laughs> the Spunk <bad>. spit. <laughs> okay, good, good, jolly good.
1: Quality programming
0: this. Yes. All right. What else do we have here? Got a couple more. And I think we got a couple on the live feed too. We appreciate all you guys hanging with us and uh doing these questions with us. Let's see. Question for the next podcast. Okay, this guy's asked a couple of times now. When I take Viagra and Cialis or oh, yeah, let's see. So, Viagra and Cialis once a week, um any any anyone from both? Um We'll just say Viagra and Cialis once a week in three months after taking this, my eyesight decreased significantly. My eyesight number increased too quickly and I also had headaches all the time. Uh, Any other suggestions or medications that I can take before having sex? And one other thing, uh, I never got my blood pressure checked, but yes, whenever I used to say my face used to be red, and I used to feel my face um, many, okay, so he's not, U.S. Uh, no, a lot I, of pressure the guess, next day. Blurry vision, I would, all that.
1: I would guess from his name that English is not his first language, so. so uh,
0: congrats on actually doing a better job than I would of writing in another language, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> I would've, you you, know, but, do a bad job that you
1: do right in English, you fucker. Exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. He speaks English better than me. I, I He did um, ask this previously, Dave, and I had asked him about the blood pressure because he didn't mention that before. Uh, and he said, yeah, I think I do have high blood pressure. And my thought was maybe blood pressure was to play with, with this.
1: I honestly don't know. Um, I'll leave this one to you because I I don't know.
0: Yeah. I don't have a a great answer. Let's but I would say this though, if you do have you know, high blood pressure from a medication like this, especially a medication like you don't need to survive, then don't use it. But what about uh what about other options?
1: It wouldn't CLS actually lower blood pressure?
0: It's supposed to. In fact, that's initially what mm. I believe Viagra was created for was as a blood pressure medication. So
1: I, I would I would assist um, is it possible to get a rebound? Post
0: oh, hmm Well, he's only using it once in a while, though, like once a week. Is
1: he married then? Is that why he's only getting a shag once a week?
0: <laughs> or maybe it's like that's the time where he's like really, you know, he's going all in. Like once a week, they have like a whole. A now, sex now I've
1: got more questions about why it's once a week than about his eyesight or anything else. I want to know why he's only having, why he's having sex once a week. Maybe <laughs> it's like. Why is that structured?
0: <laughs> Maybe there's a, he's a swinger, and they have, like, a big party on the weekend, and he needs to make sure he's ready for it.
1: Why does your brain go
0: there? That's because I'm thinking, like, he's looking for this performance enhancement where no, once a week no, he needs to, you know, be there.
1: You know, it, you could have gone, well, maybe he works away and only sees his missus at a weekend, <laughs> or, or one, he only gets to see her once nice a week because he's still living with his parents. But, no, you go straight to swingers.
0: Well – Okay, so number one, that is very possible, but it's not as exciting for the podcast, Dave. (laughs) I think he's a swinger. I think he's a swinger. I think he's a swinger, and then at once a month, uh, he and his swinging friends get together for a massive orgy. Uh, How about this dose? Dose that's that would probably be. I wonder because yeah, yeah,
1: dose would be important here. To be going back to what we're actually discussing. Right, uh, dose plays a huge factor here. We need to know what dose he was on. Also, is he taking the two together, or is he just saying he's tried both and has had similar problems with both? And is he saying that his eyesight goes after three months of continued use, or is he saying that? He takes it and then three months later his eyesight goes dicky.
0: decrease okay, significantly. My eyesight never increased. Yeah, I'm not sure, but let's let's look at this. What would be some potential other? Are there any other directions he could go? For you know, Mr.
1: Mr. Mr. Ford is performing on on point today. I must admit, if we have a star listener, he must have it this week. What is what does Vincent
0: say? He says um, eyesight might be going from having to sort himself out the other six days of the week Oh, they do say it makes you go blind that's true yeah uh, that's true so,
1: so let's let's get back to the question poor man needs help um if you can let us know the dose um because that may be playing a factor and whether you're taking both compounds together or if you're just alternating between compounds and can you clarify that your eyesight goes after you've been using the compound for a period of
0: three months, please? Have you ever heard of um, that medication, uh, Caberject, I think, is that it? Caberject, is that the name of it? Caberject?
1: I don't know, Scott. Helps if you tell me what you're actually trying to say.
0: Care reject. Um, to treat male sexual dysfunction problems erectile dysfunction it works by helping the blood flow into the penis much the way yeah. that these medications do only it is a shot that you put directly into your schlong oh you inject your willy that would be tough you know what I'm saying
1: yeah I'm not down with that fucker at all It's kind of like
0: squirmy and thinking about it. You know what I'm saying? It's. Uh, Ooh.
1: That would have to have some impressive results to to, to warrant that level of jabbing. I personally struggle to get an eel in such a small area anyway. So.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, I've heard it's uh, because I've known a few people who've used it. And I've heard it's a very small syringe. Ron Partlow told us a story of him knowing a guy that did it and he injected the whole syringe. It's like a it's like a readyject. He uh-huh. did the whole thing after this, it wouldn't go down. The guy went to the hospital and the nurses or the doctors told him they're like, oh no, when we have like a 90-year-old man that needs this, we just give him a little tiny bit out of the syringe. We never give somebody the whole syringe. <laughs> Yeah,
1: well, it gives him somewhere to hang his hat, doesn't
0: it? <laughs> um, you know, we do. We, in a serious note, uh, increasing blood flow is, you know, what these medications do, right? Um, mm-hmm. Same thing that we can get from some of the supplements we use for pre-workout, the nitric oxide mm-hmm. boosters. I wonder, I do truly wonder how, say, a combination of say citrulline malate and beta-alanine that we would take pre-workout. I wonder how those would work as a, uh, you know, like a sexual uh, supplement. Because they are going to increase nitric oxide and blood <clears throat> Beets. Yeah.
1: See, I've, I've tried Cialis, Um and it's never caused a stirring down there at all.
0: Really? Well, it doesn't mm-hmm. increase your libido, you know what I mean?
1: No, but it's generally used to eat... You know, the amount of people that report, they take it and they have a permanent boner. And, oh. and it's like, well, you know, no, no. Now, PT-141, that's a different story.
0: Okay, so there's another option. I I have no experience with PT-141. Yeah,
1: PT-141, but then again, PT-141 is more around libido improvement, but mm. I, I mean, the other thing is, and I, I am not throwing shade into this at all, but... Could it be possible that the person that he's trying to have an erection for is just
0: not that appealing? Oh, Dave! Dave! Oh, Dave! You went there. Well, I mean,
1: you can understand if I was gay, someone not being able to get a hard on over trying to shag me because I'm not pretty.
0: <laughs> Maybe that you're like the big bear type. Yeah, there's but guys, I'm still
1: not pretty. Yeah, man. I? I mean, come on. I mean, there's you, guys you it would be.
0: There's guys would be all over that.
1: I mean, the only advantage to being gay is that you're generally not facing the purple face, so I might do well. The back of my head's probably quite attractive, but the front view is, is not good at all. Let's not lie about this shit. You know what I mean?
0: Okay, our humor's getting a little too British here. This is Our U.S. people aren't going to be able to handle this for much longer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Go watch some Monty Python. You'll be fine. It will educate
0: you. <laughs> um, PT141, um, Melanitin, I've heard. Has. Well, that's I never,
1: because it's got, P, yeah, it's got PT-141 in it. That's that's where pt 14 came from. Melanotin. You're
0: kidding me. You're kidding me. I didn't no, know that. Yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah, the bit in melanotan that makes you horny as fuck is PT-141.
0: See, I never got that, at least not that I can remember. Like it never stood out to me with melanotan. Yeah, you, look,
1: you look like Casper's fucking ghost. I'm darker than you.
0: <laughs> I live in my studio. slash Dude, I've been in the house for like a year straight. I went to Canada and the people in Canada were more tan than me. Let's put it that (laughs) way. They're fucking blue.
1: (laughs) 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 Yes, I hope you're taking vitamin D, Scott.
0: Lots of Uh, it. 10,000 units a day, actually. All right. You know, actually, just
1: just on a a completely side note, but... I have noticed recently uh, a a very strong downward trend in vitamin D levels as we're getting into darker days and and winters sort of come in. Uh, And I think also because of lockdown restrictions and stuff, people just haven't had the outside exposure that they would normally have had. Um, So just a tip for the winter months, supplement
0: with vitamin D. The more you know. Educational, this shit, you know. It's for scientific purposes. Hey, guys. Uh, uh, oh, guys, please help. I want to start using Dianabol. Uh Can anyone help me how to use it solo or with what to use it? He posted this on our last episode, which were three favorite steroids. And I ta- we talked all about uh, using D-ball on its own. So I'm going to tell him first to go back and listen to that episode. He says, uh, using it safe as possible. I know that D-ball is dangerous, uh, but I want the benefits and the mass and strength. If I was to use it solo 30 milligrams per day for six weeks, and if I did PCT properly and everything, would it mess my ability to later uh, to produce my own test? And would I be capable of returning back to normal again?
1: Okay, so six weeks, 30 mega D ball a day. I suspect you won't actually fully shut down your natural system. I would suspect there would still be a very slight trickle of signal hormone going through there. Uh, but a good PCT, yeah, you're not exposing yourself to huge risks there. Um, so I'm in a really funny mood today because I just wanted to say he's going to use it solo. Well, why don't you just buddy up with a friend and do it together? Uh, but I'm just, I'm just that way out today.
0: That was not a good joke. I'm glad you recognized that before saying it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it wasn't terrible. It's better than your jokes. At least I can spell. I could say Diana Ball correctly.
0: Diana Ball. What did I say?
1: Yeah. I don't know some American. Did
0: they say like Diana Ball.
1: Yeah, that was it. Yeah, no, no, it's not a... D. It's not D double E, is it?
0: I think I've always said Deanna Ball.
1: Right, but how do you spell Diane?
0: Diane, the same as Deanna Ball.
1: No, the same as Diana Ball.
0: Diana Ball, you are correct on that, and it was named after his wife, I believe.
1: Was it? I didn't know
0: that. I believe so. Yeah. The more you know. But his
1: wife was. Him his wife was called Lucy. Well,
0: well, that was good timing, right there. That cat side sound effect you made. Hey, meepie. What's up, meeps? All right. So this, uh, we, we, I think we do have another question, but I, I, we do have some pressing stuff here. Um, you know what? I, I probably can't dig into it that deep. I wanted to find out the truth. I do believe it was named oh. after his wife, though. No, you may well be right. Yeah. I always wondered why it was called Dynamo. Imagine if I made a new steroid and I named it, like, Victoria Ball.
1: Do you, David, Do you often wonder why do we call a tree a tree?
0: You're getting pretty deep on us now, Dave. This why is do we call st- it a spade? This is a steroid podcast, okay? We do biological yeah, stuff Why here. can't we
1: have different different species of spade? And why tree? What, what? What? Why is it called a tree?
0: You're getting pretty deep on me. I I don't know if I can take all of this uh, this early in the day. This is a, this is a lot. This is a lighthearted bodybuilding podcast, Dave. We, we don't do that stuff here.
1: Okay. I'm sorry.
0: It's, it's okay. You're just, I'm a little confused. Uh, we do have a steroid question, believe it or not.
1: Oh God, do we?
0: Would MPP be a smart choice to, uh, at lower dosage compared to Primo? 150 milligrams a week along with test. I'm going to say yes, that I would say milligram for milligram, MPP would be stronger. It would would be my guess. What do you think?
1: Yes, um, it would, but obviously, some if so, you're, you're already suggesting that you're running primo with test. I guess from that comment. Uh,
0: I think he's talking about one or the other.
1: No, that's Michelle, so I don't think it's a he. Uh, I
0: think he. I think it is a guy. I think he's from. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think so. I don't know for sure. But I get that, the, Europe, the Euro vibe. Okay. Well, it could be.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah you're gonna get more, you're gonna get more for for out of MPP all day long.
0: Yeah, he's looking to figure out what's gonna be a more anabolic environment with Test. Decker,
1: without, without a doubt. without a doubt.
0: Ooh, Lauren is t- tuning in during her work break. Hopefully her coworkers don't hear our show, because I feel like this show would get you fired. Like this is not work friendly, Dave.
1: Why not? Okay. It's 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 pussy cat friendly. We're talking about steroids.
0: No, look, it's it's pussy cat friendly. Dave just showed me his pussy. Oh my gosh, Mr. Meep. Mrs. Mrs. Meep, sorry. I forgot. I think that's all we got. Maybe there was one more question up here. I'm just... Uh, looking there were a there. few in the comments.
1: There were a few in the comments.
0: How about this one? Uh, skinny fat. The skinny fat situation. If you get a client who is skinny fat, what's the overall approach to coaching? We talked about this on another podcast recently. Well, go on then. What did you say? Uh, I think it depends on the situation, but... You know what, if you take somebody who's not on a regimented diet, you get them on a a clean diet. Uh, I mean, put it this way, if you're not eating a normal, if you're not eating a bodybuilder diet to start, and then we start eating protein five times a day and we add clean carbs into that, you may be getting more calories than you were before, but guess what? There's a good chance you might start getting leaner too.
1: I tend to find that that skinny fat look is generally down to not so much calorie intake, though that obviously does play a role, but more in food choices. Mm. You tend to find people with poor nutrition that will have that skinny fat look rather than um, because their choices are calorie dense and and not particularly nutritious. And when you start putting in food that may have the same calorie value but be much more nutritional, you start to see a change in composition and, and shape.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Uh, let's see if we have any other questions here in the live feed. Oh, I, live. I do
1: feel I do feel I need a chair uh, and the cat sat on the arm, stroking in a fireplace. Well, more just like you know, Doctor Noah or something, or you know, did you ever have uh, a cartoon over there called um, Danger Mouse?
0: Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah, Danger Mouse. I remember Danger Mouse. Yeah, it's kind of like a little bit before my time, I think, but we did have it.
1: Dr. Evil. Yeah, I suppose Dr. Evil, maybe.
0: Yeah, you kind of look like Dr. Evil in a way, Dave. They've
1: scared me cat off now.
0: I think that's all we got. I'm looking through our questions here. Irritable Dave. Welcome back to Irritable, the Irritable Dave podcast. I could be vigorous, Scott, with Irritable Dave. I don't think that's copyright infringement on Steve, is it? I don't. I wouldn't really describe you as vigorous either. No, I wouldn't either. I'm not very
1: vigorous. No, wet blanket, Scott.
0: Oh, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> watch it! Watch it! <laughs> That's all we got for you guys. We got we got nothing else. Oh, Go to uh, crosslands.org.uk. You can reach out to Dave there. Diets at gmail.com. Drop me an email and we can have a conversation about Dave, about this program. You can reach out to me for coaching there. You can reach out to Dave for coaching.
1: Yeah, don't go to the website. It's shit. I, I don't update it. I don't do anything with it. So, but it is a it is a way of contacting me through the website.
0: Okay, well, is there any other way you would prefer they contacted you?
1: Yes, right there. Email on a $100 bill and post to this address.
0: I like that idea. I like that idea. idea. Send it to me and I'll forward Dave the message. How about that? He doesn't.
1: So, like, he doesn't. He doesn't forward me the discounts. He doesn't forward me the freebies from the sponsors. He forwards me
0: nothing. I told you. So we're working on something with Manscaped. And I'm going yeah, to get a shaver and I'm going to fly Wait, out to the UK. Work
1: on something with Lamborghini for fuck's sake.
0: Guys, this program has been brought to you by Lamborghini. You can use our code DAVEYCAKES to get 20% off your next Lambo. We appreciate you guys. Thanks, Dave. Bye. For nothing. For nothing.